Hello, and welcome to the Work Well podcast. The World Health Organization has identified the workplace as a priority area for health promotion. Why then does the word work have such a negative and unhealthy connotation for so many people? Think about it. We spend so much of our adult lives at work. Why should it be in a role or in an environment that doesn't support our health and well-being? My name is Brian Krupp, and I'm on a mission to make workplaces more positive places to be and to make our working day as healthy and productive as possible. Join me on the Work Well podcast as I interview workplace well-being thought leaders and industry professionals to discuss how employers, employees, and entrepreneurs can lead the way by creating and sustaining the healthy, safe, and well workplaces of the future. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the WorkWell podcast. This episode is brought to you in partnership with AJ Products, who are leading the way in ergonomic and active workplace furniture solutions at ajproducts.ie. Today on the podcast, I'm delighted to welcome Jen Arnold. Jen is based in the US and I consider Jen a real thought leader when it comes to workplace well-being. I first discovered Jen through her Redesigning Wellness podcast. When I was uh, you know, starting out in this space, it was Jen's podcast was really the only indicator I had of what was going on in the outside world when it came to workplace well-being. I can't underestimate how much I learned from Jen's conversations. So it's a real privilege to welcome her onto my own podcast today. So through her Redesigning Wellness company, Jen supports organizational well-being through training, writing, and speaking. Jen is a TEDx speaker. She uses stories, activities, and humor to not only make a point, but to keep audiences engaged and listening. Now, as you'll hear, Jen continues to run her business seamlessly while also traveling around the U.S. in an RV with her husband, two kids, and their dog. So pretty impressive stuff. Sit back and enjoy my conversation with Jen Arnold. Jen, hello and welcome to the Work Well podcast. Hey, Brian. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. It's a real pleasure to have you on. How are you, Jen? Everything is good. Everything is good. We're a sunny day. It's the fall-ish. I'm in Boise, Idaho, one of the many stops on the journey. Right, right. Yeah. So tell us, make us jealous here. You're you're in an RV, if I'm not mistaken, and you're you're traveling around the US. Yes. Yes, we are. So our family and I decided even pre-COVID that we were going to sell our house in the east coast of the United States, North Carolina. COVID hit, we decided to go forward with the plan. We were going to relocate to the west coast of the US and then decided to make it less of a relocation and more of a journey. So we've been on the road in an RV for a year and a few months Wow! with my husband, two small kids and a hundred pound dog. So, you know, we've tackled about 16,000 miles and I've lost track of the States, but we've been a few miles. That is amazing. That's like, that's like almost like a dream of mine to do such a trip like that. So over a year, are you continuing to work or is it a total kind of break, but you, you are continuing to work? 
Yes. Yeah. I work most days and it's just my work looks different. And COVID has helped that because almost everything is virtual now. So I just can do everything virtually. And as we were talking about before we started recording, sometimes it's done in the margins of the day. And some days I work a lot and some days I work very little. It just depends. It kind of ebbs and flows with our travels. And then sometimes we have to plan our travels around my work, which my family, my family doesn't love, but (laughs) it, it happens. But yeah, still, still running the business from the road. So from the road, incredibly, like you're obviously enjoying the, the kind of, well, the flexibility that I guess one, one of the benefits that COVID has allowed all of us, it's, it's pretty much a virtual world at the moment and it's, it's kind of suiting your, your lifestyle at the moment. Oh, it is. And, and even when I was in corporate America, I worked you know, in a health insurance company for quite a few years, I was pretty flexible then. You know, my whole team was remote. I worked in the office two days a week, maybe three days a week, and the rest was at home. So I've always enjoyed working from home. I'm one of those people who I'm like, I never need to go back into an office. I'm good (laughs) virtually. But yeah, COVID has given the flexibility that, you know, with it, speaking events are virtual, (laughs) trainings are virtual. And even recently, employers have started talking about, you know, I've got an event in December and thinking about flying out. And now this Delta variant that's getting us, who knows by the time this airs, what's going to happen with Delta, but you have to have a plan B for, we may not be traveling. We may have to go back to virtual, but you can make everything engaging virtually if you do it in the right way. So for, for me, it's COVID's been, uh, it's helped with the flexibility. Yeah. Very good. And so bring us up to speed then. So you have your own business. It's called redesigning wellness. There's an excellent company, if you like, uh, podcast, which I'm a big fan of. And when I was first you know, dipping my toe in the water of this workplace well-being area, like that, it was a huge help, huge influence for me. I need to get a just an idea of what was going on, particularly in the US. Could you maybe bring the listeners up to speed? What's the landscape like with the workplace well-being landscape like in, in the US at present? Well, we're in this kind of funny spot, I think. I think we talk about everything now in pre-COVID, post-COVID world. So even pre-COVID, the well-being space was starting to gear more towards mental health. And hey, we're going we're to start talking about mental and emotional health. And then COVID hit and it accelerated that conversation and accelerated kind of the importance of well-being. And I think in the U.S., what I saw broadly among clients and you know organizations in the news that a lot of organizations did some really great things for employees. They sent them home, the flexibility, they care about their mental health, their physical safety. That was impressive upon at least white collar workers, right? You know, the front lines, I still had to go in. That's a different story. And I have to say, mostly I work with white collar workers. So that's really probably more the context I have. But recently, I feel like We've slipped a bit, if you will, in the overall landscape. People are burnt out. People are mentally exhausted, emotionally exhausted. And CEOs are ready for employees to be back in the office. And they kind of feel what I've been getting the sense of is everyone's just like, we want it to be over. We want things to return back to normal. And it's just not normal. We want COVID to end. But now there's the Delta variant now. It's still a factor. The hospitalizations here are going up. And so where I think we've gotten in the U.S. is saying, yes, mental health is important. Here's some programs to support you. So here's EAP. Go see therapist. We celebrate Mental Health Awareness Month in May here in the U.S. And I mean, organizations do this May. 
coming out of the woodwork. May was a really busy month for me, <laughs> which was good for me. Yeah. But where I think we're missing the mark, and I'd be curious to know if this is in Ireland too, we're not talking about some of those deep-rooted issues that cause lowered mental capacity, mental fitness, right? So I'm not even talking mm-hmm. about mental illness, but we're not talking about the nature of work. We're not talking about the overload of work people are yes. getting because work never slowed down. Everyone's, you know, working with kids at home or dealing with parents, but a lot of the organizations I've worked with are in growing industries and the work just keeps coming. And so it's not really addressed here. And I think we need to. Right. Almost everything you said there, I I could have repeated just the very same for how things have been going in Ireland as well and the UK, I believe. Same idea, you know, mental health was on the increase of focus in in workplaces here, which, which was a good thing. And as you said, when COVID hit, it's been great to see, you know, really a focused employers supporting their colleagues, flexibility and lots of other kind of supports put in place. But as you say, like workloads are still there. There people are busier than ever. The job demands are there. And all of the kind of, I guess, the supports, the well-being supports that exist here, the, the vast majority are maybe those, those kind of secondary or tertiary supports where you know, if somebody already has an illness, there's excellent EAP programs, employee assistance programs. There's you know, mental health first aid is huge here, and the awareness training piece. But again, they're they're kind of they're resources that are nothing is preventing, I guess, tackling the issue of the workload, as you say, and those issues to prevent the issues arising in the first place. I mean, kind of risk assessments, which is I think it's why it's it's really refreshing to see, and I'm sure you're aware of this, the ISO. 45,003, so the world's first global standard on mental well-being in the workplace has been recently published. So I feel that what I try to do with the podcast and the work that I do certainly is to try and promote that stuff like that. So get the message out there. It's Yes, these kind of supports, mental health first aid is excellent. EAPs are incredibly useful resources, but let's take a step back and try and work on the prevention piece. And something like ISO 45003 can can help with that. Yes, and and I'm going to be embarrassingly honest right here. I have never heard of that before until you told me about it. (laughs) So I have been stepping back from some of the social media. I've been stepping back from some of the research that I've been doing and working with specific clients. But what that tells me is that it's not being talked about here. You know, employers don't know about it. Wellness thought leaders aren't talking about it. I love that it's there and now I can further research it. I've actually reached out to a few people who are in the kind of psychological safety and that area and to say, have you heard of this? Because I have heard nothing until you emailed it to me. It is brand new. It is, you're talking June of this year. And I, I hosted a masterclass just on Monday evening and I, I did it on Zoom and I did a poll. And I think there was like 125 people on the call. And I asked who on the call has heard of ISO 45003. And by the way, mostly HR and well-being leaders in Ireland. And I think four people out of the 125 had heard of it. So you are, it, it, you. Is not, it, is not, <laughs> it is not out there yet. I'm starting it. I'm, I'm sure you will start to promote it. People in other countries are kind of just starting to get it out there. It, it is very, very new, but it is... I've stepped through it. It looks like it's an excellent resource. It's a how-to guide to promoting mental well-being in the workplace. Yes. And I did look at it. It was a little painful. I'm not going to lie. It was very deep. deep, And I think it's going to take folks like you to talk about it and go, here's what this means. Because I could see an organization going, you know, that's a lot of stuff to consider. But I didn't dig into it as carefully as I will kind of 
post-podcast. Sure. There is definitely a bit to it, all right. And you would want, you would probably need someone full-time looking at it to really do it properly and to implement it properly. But I think there are, even if, if you look at it, look at some of the, the supports that are there, some of the advice that is there, even if it helps you focus on moving to the prevention piece first, a risk assessment, conduct a risk assessment, have a conversation with your colleagues to find out what are these issues here? Is it the workload? Is it the job demands? Are they the issues here? Can we look at the rosters here and change things up a bit and support you with a bit more kind of flexibility in that area? Those kind of supports, if we can tackle those as opposed to just focusing on the, you know, bringing someone in for a one hour resilience talk or giving them a mindfulness app and hoping the problem goes away. There's a lot we can all take from it. Yes. Definitely. And, and I've had the workload, you know, employees talk to me about that when I go and train on resilience, because there's, there's two, probably many more than just two, but there's two viewpoints right there that the workload that continues just to pile up and pile up. And then the employee who just feels like it can't be managed. So I'd say on the employee's part, we don't want to just shove everything on personal responsibility, but I do think from an employee perspective, you need to learn how to speak up and communicate your needs because a lot of people end up just taking it and, and suffering, suffering in silence. But of course, if the culture doesn't <laughs> warrant it, then that gets to be a little bit more difficult. And one thing, and I'm curious if it's in the guidelines you're talking about, Brian, but one of the things that I've seen from the employer angle is a lack of prioritization on goals, the clear priorities that are in place. And I'll, and I'll give you a few examples. When I was working back, the job I was telling you about, I remember going to a department meeting. I was one department, you know, we were one department out of let's just say 10, because I really don't remember, but 10, 10 departments, right? So we go in there for our quarterly uh, priorities. Brian, there were 10 priorities, <laughs> 10 broad sweeping priorities for this one little department. And in priorities, and I brought up to my boss, I said, you know, why 10 priorities? It just did, doesn't make sense. And he's like, well, you know, Jen, that everyone had to get their department. They, they, they had to have something on there, right? And that's part of the problem. And another is that leaders maybe don't understand their impact. They may say, hey, can you research this? Or, hey, can you do this? And then employees are left to figure out, well, what's priority? Do I take this off my plate to, fit, to get this new task you just gave me? We don't do well when we're giving employees maybe roles, responsibilities, projects, jobs to say, okay, this other thing can come off <laughs> if you do this. We just kind of say, hey, go do it. And then employees are left spinning going, well, what do I do with this? How do I prioritize? And it just takes up so much mental bandwidth yeah. that it's hard to function effectively. Yeah. It's actually in, in the ISO as um, autonomy and including more autonomy for employees where possible, of course, it depends on the role, but that is something that's called out. Can you allow for some job crafting for, for the individual to take control a little bit more of, of their hours, of their schedule, of their work, of the tasks? Yeah. So I think there's two pieces to that, Brian. So autonomy is a clear one. And, and, and if you don't have autonomy, it can lead to burnout. Like mm -hmm. you need autonomy in your work. No question. But there's also a difference because working with a company recently, they have amazing autonomy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like they, like you can go be your own entrepreneur, mm -hmm. but what are you supposed to prioritize out of the many, many things that you can do, right? So if you get 10 new initiatives, I have autonomy to go do all of them, but it's just too much damn work. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I just can't do it. So autonomy is such a great point. I'm glad they put it in there because the research yeah. does point to that leading to not having it leading to burnout. 
But I think it's just the volume and we're just not good as humans to stay really focused and to say, this is all we're doing. Let's focus on this. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a recovering project manager. Oh, I remember seeing some statistics at a time. I, I cannot remember exactly where it came from, but it was almost like you know, what was your focusing on only on one project that you're 70% focused on that, for example. But if you have two projects, that actually increases your focus somehow to 80% on each of the projects. But if you're, you know, if you're looking at three projects, then it diminishes. So it was something along those lines. I don't know if it was it was a good thing or a bad thing. I think the whole intention was just like you should be working on two projects at any one time. That's interesting. I, I think that's one thing that this RV life has given me the perspective. So I am definitely a type A person, love to achieve a lot. I can make up my own work. Like you don't need to tell me to do work. I will make it up my, my, myself. But taking the step back and just realizing what a vicious cycle we are in in the workplace of constant work, no silence, no breaks, and just I think it's leading to some of that just diminished mental capacity that everyone's out now with um, COVID dragging on for 18 months and it's not stopping. I know I'm aware of, again, just from researching maybe ISO and listening to their podcast, there's the National Standard of Canada, which was the first of its kind in the world. It was 2013 for kind of psychological health and safety in the workplace. Your neighbors there, is there, is there an equivalent in the US? I know it's, you're talking 50 states here. Maybe there's a state equivalent or something like that. Or are employers, are they kind of just trying to figure it out themselves? Or is there some kind of standard that they can aim for? No, there's not. And, and I would love if any of your listeners know differently, correct me, because as I've admitted to, I'm maybe not up on everything. But I will say that total worker health is doing some really great stuff. But as far as a United States or even state by state, we do a lot of things state by state. There's not anything standardized. And I think right now employers are doing things, trying to follow their best guidance from a whole host of folks from, you know, benefits consultants to their wellness person to leadership CEOs going, we need to do something about this, but no one's following any type of standard that I'm aware of. Yeah, I, I had a look as well. I, I couldn't find anything in particular in terms of standards. But one thing we do in we, the, the postgrad in Trinity, we give a lot of the white papers that we use for a recommended reading. It's all coming out of the US. Guys like Dr. Ron Getzel, Karen Kent, Megan Amaya, uh, some really interesting white papers. So perhaps not an actual standard, but there's lots of kind of research going on, lots of really good quality research. It's a shame it's not translating maybe into a standard, I guess. Um, although I do hear there's, there's, there's something, there's stuff going on in California, all right, in terms of psychological well-being, but I don't know if it's necessarily for, for the workplace. Yeah. And to my knowledge that the research, where people tend to get fixated in the U.S. or have been in the, for, for the past few years is getting fixated on worksite wellness doesn't work. <laughs> you know, oh, the research to show. I heard some of your podcasts on that that was really good analyzing that, yeah. So people aren't going, okay, well, forget that. What actually works? What do we need to take care of? You know, do we need to take care of, of course, we need to take care of our mental well-being. And I think there will be perhaps some standards or some more research post-COVID because I think it has just gotten such a spotlight and it's such a need and it's affecting the workforce. I mean, there's people are quitting their jobs just because they've had enough. So I think something will come. But as far as the research around worksite wellness, it, it kind of was hyped up a few years ago. And then it's just died down a little bit, Okay, at least in the media. 
Okay. Okay. Any thoughts on, I think anywhere we're close to settling down a little bit. What will the future of work look like? Do you, do you think and the future of workplace well-being? Oh goodness, Brian, you know, <laughs> predicting the future, right? Yeah. Like who would have predicted COVID <laughs> in the first place? Yeah. I, you know, I really, I would like to say that it is more of a flexible approach I hope so, because I think people do need that flexibility to take care of their personal lives and to be able to work from home when they want to. I'll tell you where I'd love it to go, but I don't know if we're there yet because now, like I said, CEOs are saying, hey, no, come back to the office. We want you back butts and seats. And you have companies like Google who are saying that if you moved out to a rural area that's less expensive, we're going to pay you less. So I'd like to say the future of work is flexibility and people being remote and working from RVs. But if COVID hasn't convinced people <laughs> that it could work, I don't know. But I think the workforce will probably speak and leave their jobs and demand it because the younger generation will hopefully speak out more and demand it and resign and you know say, this is why I'm resigning. I mean, that's at least what I hope. And then is that happening in the US? Because we're hearing that already here or seeing that it's it's an employee's market, if you like. There's There's choice. Employees are choosing the employers that are you know genuinely speaking about or maybe they're accredited in the area of workplace well-being and there's a genuine work-life balance there uh, are you seeing that in the US i have seen there is there are definitely stats saying people are leaving their jobs that's you know people are fed up with maybe how they were treated during the pandemic if they were heard if they were seen if they were taken care of i was just reading an article this morning about it and that is definitely um it's called the great, God, the great resignation, great resignation yeah. <laughs> right now happening. And I do think that it's hitting kind of frontline essential workers as well. So I have some colleagues in the hospitality industry and they can't get people staffed up. You know, they, they can't get people to come and work. And so there is a labor shortage in that sense. And I've seen it through colleagues having problems filling that spot. So overall, yes. And I think it's important for having flexibility and listening and hearing your employees and what they want to actually get them to come to your organization and not just sell them something, <laughs> say yeah. something, but actually have it <laughs> when they get there, then it, that's really how it works, right? What they mm -hmm. promised is actually legit. Tell me, Jim, what does the future of your own work life look like? I think your excellent podcast is it's kind of on pause at the moment, the Redesigning Wellness podcast. What's next kind of work-wise for you? Yeah, so I took a break and I said, it's just a break. I need to just to kind of give myself that space and that distance to say, do I really want to do this? As we were talking about before we started recording, I was doing it every week. And it gets to be this content machine where you know, you're getting all of this information. You're like, I can't even process it because it's on to the next thing. So I'm going to take your advice and think about seasons, which is brilliant. <laughs> I got that from Malcolm Gladwell. I, I can't claim that. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> you claim it. That's okay. <laughs> but what I am kind of pondering now is coming back to the podcasting world in the new year. So 2022 and really focusing on helping people through tough times. So really digging into the mental and emotional well-being a little bit more, but thinking in the workplace, but then also outside of the workplace, because it doesn't matter what training I do. It doesn't matter what friends I have. It doesn't matter my own life. We're all going through some really tough times, even without COVID. Like we've all lost loved ones. We've always, we've had sick parents. We've had sick friends. We've had hard kids to deal with. <laughs> and how can I help 
people get through some of those really hard times, some with resilience, some with just helping people have someone to go through it with. So that's the idea I'm pondering. And I do miss interviewing. I miss talking to people and gleaning something from them, right? Because every conversation I had, I was like, well, that made me think of something differently or think a different way. So it's given me the space too to make me realize I miss it. I just want to do it in a different way. And that's what I'm formulating right now. I do feel so privileged to be able to, I mean, number one, to have these conversations, to learn so much from, from the guests, but then to get to share that with the audience as well, who are, you know, equally uh, as happy and, and can learn from it as well. So it's, it sounds like you're going a little bit more personal than with this kind of more personal stories with the new podcast. Yeah. And then bringing experts in to say, you know, if you're going through grief, what does grief look like? And, and how do you go through it in the way instead of kind of just numbing and distracting? Because I think that's what we get into the workplace is people are busying themselves with other things and they're not kind of feeling and going through what they need to. And then it ends up being like they're yelling at a coworker or they're, you know, having the unhealthy habits that we're trying to address by giving them, you know, a diet and exercise plan. But, you know, I still, the majority of my business right now is training and speaking within corporations. So that'll still be a big part of my business. And I think I'm going to continue that because what I'm finding in there are the individuals who maybe just need a little bit of extra support. And, and so it's going to, going to be continuing on with the organization angle and then kind of you know, slowly going and, and trying to help individuals as well. Sure. That sounds really exciting. I'll, I'll definitely be tuning in. Very best of luck with that. Hey, everyone. A really quick note to tell you about our online learning hub, WorkWell Institute. If you're enjoying the episode today, and are interested in learning more about well-being and work, then check out the courses we have on offer at workwellinstitute.org. You'll find programs for you and your colleagues on managing stress, how to boost energy, well-being champion training, and our flagship program for well-being leaders called Developing a Workplace Wellness Program That Lasts. There's a free preview available for all of the courses at workwellinstitute.org. Org. Now, back to our conversation. You were 16 years, if I'm not mistaken, kind of working for an employer in this area. And now you're over five years with redesigning wellness, kind of working for yourself. We've got a lot of HR people listening in, but we've also got a lot of maybe well-being service providers, a lot of people considering maybe going out on their own. Any advice for those guys who are maybe considering starting out and taking on or starting in this industry? I do. And, and I'll tell you all the things that I probably would have done differently. <laughs> you know, could lessons learned, right? One is just to, to really evaluate if you do want to run your own business. I mean, you can probably appreciate this, Brian, that you are everything at first. You are the sales department. You're the marketing department. So, so if you are uncomfortable selling, you shouldn't have your own business. You True. Just, you should, and I, right? You know what? I, I am. I, I have been for years. I'm getting a lot, lot better, but I have been. But yeah, I wish I'd have spoken to you five years ago. Sorry, go on. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's the hardest thing to do is to sell yourself. I can sell someone else a lot easier than myself. So I'm not saying that I'm perfect at it in any way, but I think that's one thing. You're split in a million different directions. It's not just doing your favorite thing. It's doing all the crap that you probably don't want to do. And you need a why. You need some income before you can start hiring that stuff out. So that's, that's one thing. It's making sure you have the skills and making sure it's not just a job adjustment. Sometimes you just need to tweak your job or find another job or, 
go part-time. There's a lot of different solutions. It doesn't have to be binary, you know, either going on your own or not. I think the other piece is testing out what people will pay for. Like I had this plan in my head that people were just going to line up for wellness strategies, right? Because we know how important it is, right, Brian? And you see all these organizations doing willy-nilly stuff. I'm like, they need a strategy. And I, I thought that would be my business. No, <laughs> you have to figure out how you can test it out and see if people will actually buy it. And if people won't buy it, what do they want? And, you know, kind of how does that work? And, and then I'd say, too, if you're feeling that itch, just know that if you go on your own and it doesn't work out, you can always get a job, especially in today's labor market. Right. So it doesn't have to be sticking it out. You have a friend who's an entrepreneur for a while, maybe about the same time as I am. And she's like, I'm just fed up. I'm fed up yeah. with it. It's it's exhausting. And she got a job. And she's like, I can always go back and run my business. And I think that's just something to realize. It doesn't have to be forever. Regardless, it's, it's going to be a great experience. You'll, you'll, you'll learn so much from that experience. So you'll be even better when you go back into the, the working world if that's what you choose to do. Oh, absolutely. I couldn't have said it better myself because I have learned more about myself in five years of entrepreneurship than I ever have trying to go up that corporate ladder. You know, I I now have learned some lessons (laughs) now that I've had that reflection, but you do learn so much about yourself. And I think you're stronger as a result. And you can bring those skills back into the workforce if you choose to do so. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's so funny to hear you say that about the the strategy or you thought it was so easy just to go in and sell strategy like that. I I was working in IT, so I was an IT management consultant and left, well, took redundancy, left that. But I thought I could seamlessly transition from IT management consultancy straight into well-being consultancy. And it was, I could maybe charge ah, slightly lower rate kind of thing, but it's still... <laughs> Yeah, it was, that was an eye-opener anyway. It's certainly not like that. <laughs> no, no. And you know the unfortunate thing, at least in the U.S., if you attach wellness or well-being to it, at least pre-COVID, people discount it. It's not as important as, say, a leadership training or a management consultant or an IT consultant. That kind of comes with it more respect and a higher contract value, which is unfortunate, but that is at least what... I have found in the U.S. Where I would have worked previously, we, we there were some contractors there who were on around 2,000 euro a day. And some of them had been there for like five years, but they would balk at paying 100 or 200 euro for a well-being workshop. Oh, that's, yeah. that's kind of what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. And at the beginning, you do a lot of things free, get your name yeah. out there and you yeah. do that stuff. And I think that's part of the problem too, that there are so many people offering free stuff that people think that they can just get it free instead of really paying for someone who's going to come with probably an unbiased opinion and, and just be better overall. Absolutely. And that's, you know what I saw, I, I really didn't like that with so many people doing similar things at the time that I was just trying to sell services into companies. So one of the main reasons I set up a commu- the community first, I just said, look, I don't know if this will work. There's absolutely no business plan to it whatsoever. Community first, bring people together, start to work well, Ireland, We've got a podcast, got an institute. Now it's kind of creating this forum, a, a kind of a learning hub, a sharing and learning hub. And just over time, building trust, building authorities, same thing you did like the five years of, of podcasting, kind of getting your name out there and building trust and authority. 
you know, it's it's it doesn't happen overnight, I guess. So for for people listening in or looking to start out, you know, it takes time. Be prepared, but I don't know, stick with it. I think it's it's definitely worth it in the long run. Yeah. So I'll just tell you this this quick story. Is I remember walking when we were back in North Carolina and we were going to pick up my son from daycare, my husband and I. And I can't remember. He was like two. Let's just say he's eight now. At three, he was he was in daycare. I don't know. <laughs> but we'd go walk, and I said, Steve, I was talking to my husband. I said. I don't think anyone's listening. Like I'm recording these podcasts and I feel like I'm talking into a void. No one's listening. And I just remember having that conversation. And then of course, it just took time. People, there's a million podcasts, there's a million webinars, there's things out there and you do have to stand out and you have to have that consistency. And if you do give up too soon, then you're never going to get that. You're never going to get that audience. And I think with podcasting, I've heard the average number of episodes is seven before people quit. Okay, so, right. Seven won't get you very far. <laughs> no. Unless you have a series or you know seasons like you do. But yeah, it is consistency. It's hanging on and it's it's hard work. Yeah. It's part of it. Absolutely. Well I wasn't quite podcasting, but when I started out, I, I blogged every single Wednesday for four years and I never missed a Wednesday. And but just like you there. I remember I, I was looking at the stats, I think, four years in. I'm going, there's hardly anybody reading these articles. It's, 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 the stats haven't increased in, I don't know, in like three years. What am I doing here? But then I, I hosted, a, I put an event on and 100 people showed up at the, that event, the first event. And I said, okay, that's what I've been doing. That's what's been happening here in the background. I'm just not, I'm not seeing everything, but I've been building up just a little bit of, thr- little bit of trust, a little bit of authority. And there's definitely something there. I just need to maybe approach it from a different angle now. Yeah, I love that, Brian, because it is. It feels like I mean, you're working so hard. Yeah. And then you're saying, "What am I getting out of it?" And and I have never enjoyed writing, and I've told myself that story. I'd, I'd rather just talk it out. That is that is my preference. And then recently, the past few weeks, I've started writing, and so I'm writing, trying to write one article a week, and. I've got to look at it as it's not for anyone else. Mm-hmm. It's for me to get better at writing. It's for me to formulate my thoughts because I yeah. think that's the best way to do it. As I've, you know, had the podcast for five years, I've had a long career in, in well-being. Now, what are my thoughts that I want to get out into the world? But it takes, like you said, like that that schedule. And you're doing it every week, even if you have a crappy week, even if you don't feel like it. And I think that's anyone thinking about going into their own business, it just it takes showing up when you don't feel like showing up consistency isn't it it's being consistent at what you're doing yeah and but yeah. I, I read one of your articles there recently i think from this week silence enjoying yeah silence really good yeah really enjoyed it thank you my next one's on breaks i'm really just would love people to take a few breaks in their day just to get some i keep talking about this mental overwhelm because i am consulting and talking to employees training employees and i would just love to have people breathe a little bit of space, silence, energy into their day instead of just, you know, kind of pounding it out and, and really depleting themselves from a mental, emotional perspective. Sure. Well, I, I'm a big fan of deep work, Cal Newport. And I just, I just love the whole, his whole idea, that message, trying to periods of deep work, concentrated work, usually in the morning, but then it's, it's a pause, it's a break. And he, he has some suggestions. It's, it's exercise. It's uh, a walk. It's it's rest. Sometimes it's even sleep. But it's just a pause. It's those kind of breaks that allow for actually kind of 
deeper thinking to happen, idea generation, this kind of idea. And maybe then the afternoon is set for kind of reactive tasks, this kind of idea. So I, I, I try to do it. I'm very much a work in progress. It's uh, every day. different. <laughs> but uh, I, I love that idea that kind of the more if we can build in these breaks, these rest periods, it actually over time will make us more productive. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm working with this consulting client right now and we're putting together the final presentation and had it. I was like, I thought it was done. And then all of a sudden, like, I'm kind of getting ready this morning, taking my time. And I said, oh, we need this piece to it to complete the story. So I'm walking away from the problem, but my brain's still working on the problem. And now I've got what I think will be a better presentation. And in that, you know, I do wake up at six every morning, pray to God, pray to all that's holy, whoever that is out there, that they don't wake up <laughs> in an RV. You have to be super quiet. I can only imagine, yeah. Yeah, I tiptoe like a ninja out here. It's as quiet <laughs> as I can be, and as dark as it can be. And I try to work from six to seven. Right. And then recently that practice has become not trying to get stuff done, but just trying to write. And that has been kind of fun and giving myself, hey, this is when I write. It can be the crappiest thing I've ever written, but I have time to to, to tweak it and, and make it better. But I just have to get it out there. So that's 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 been fun, I'd say. Yeah, so that's that's your morning routine. I hear some people call it like winning the morning. And if you win the morning, it kind of sets you up for the day to kind of do your thing in the morning. If it's writing, if it's exercising. Yeah, it just kind of sets you up for the day. I I, if I have a bad morning or a slow start, it kind of I can feel it throughout the day. Yeah. And there are some times that I do choose sleep over work, right? So sometimes I just need to sleep. Of course. But what I found is that I don't have that time. Because I'm with my kids like literally all day that by the end of the day, I'm more short tempered. So I think for me, I I, I need to win the morning because if I sleep in and the first thing I get is a, re- a need for something for my kids, it's just doesn't set me up to have the best day. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> I do love my kids. They just get on my nerves. <laughs> <laughs> well, I could, you know, you're living in a probably confined space for, for quite some time. That's uh, <laughs> kind of understandable. I would normally ask the you know the guests how they how they manage to look after their own well being, but I guess we, we've kind of we kind of touched on it a bit. I guess I guess the RV is helping. I mean, being on the road, you're kind of traveling, seeing these new places. I, I imagine that that's playing an, an important part in that. I like to say that this recently has kind of come to me that this happens in life and it happens in an RV. Highs and lows. We have highs and lows of life. And there are some days in the RV where I get up, the kids wake up, I'm trying to jump over my dog because he's in the way constantly. You know, my husband's cranky and those are the lows. And then in the, one day we're in the middle of Yellowstone in this gorgeous national park looking at geysers with my kids. And I'm like, this is simply amazing. I never want to stop traveling. So the highs are much higher and probably the lows are, are a little bit lower. But one of the things I try to do are savor the positive moments. So really digging into, wow, that was an amazing moment and not just going off to the next thing. So I think going back and thinking of all we've done, looking at pictures and really just kind of sinking into those positive moments has, has helped. Getting up at six in the morning has helped. Just that hour to myself is is vital. And then I exercise. I always have. It it's, helps my mental health. Um, and if I don't exercise, I just, I don't do well. It helps me clear my mind, helps me formulate thoughts. And it's just a great outlet for me. Fantastic. Yeah. And, and did you say, so you're in Boise, Idaho at the moment. The only time I've ever heard of Boise, Idaho, if I'm not mistaken, it's the location of where it starts in uh, Zen and the art of 
uh, motorcycle maintenance, isn't it? That, that, yeah, pretty sure. I know, I know the book title, but I can't even. I think I read it like ages ago. Yeah, yeah, I'm that. pretty sure that's where he's kind of based in and around there. So I that's that was a cool name for for a, for a place. Yeah. <laughs> well, one of the things that we're doing now is we're you know been on the road for a year and two months, and we're trying to figure out where we want to relocate. And Boise is one of the places, right? And then we're going to a few other cities just to say. Is this the place? Is this the place? Because we thought, I thought, you know, we've traveled a lot and we'd find this magic place. And the only magic place we found is really California and it is so expensive. So we're looking at other places. We're trying to find another magic place. Perhaps. That is so cool. So you're on the road, you're doing reconnaissance on places <laughs> where you might potentially want to, to settle down. So what's coming into the equation? Is it like you're looking at schools there? Is it, is it the location itself, the setting, those kind of things? Yeah, so weather is one. Weather. Uh, making sure we have good weather. I won't get into that, but my husband's very weather sensitive and I like seasons. We conflict when it comes to weather. So that's interesting. We want good community. We want to be able to go into a community, make a difference, have our kids have a good community, like have they have friends and and that's important. And then just having a house we can afford and we like. The US housing market is ridiculous right now uh, everything has gone up dramatically and some places are just the real estate's out of the range so we've got a few criteria that we're looking at and then we're trying to decide if we want to live in a city kind of a suburb like outside of a city or if we want to kind of go into the country and have some airbnbs and things like that so we're a little bit all over the place but we're, we're looking at all the possibilities with a few filters on those possibilities <laughs> Very good. Well, that is a really exciting project that you're you're involved with. So listen, the very best of luck with that. Keep us up to speed on, on how that goes. We look forward to seeing where you eventually settle down. Yeah, me too. So so does my dad. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, where when are you gonna stop this, Jen? Where are you going? Yes. So Jen, listen, I want to be conscious of your time. Is is there anything I didn't ask you that you know, any kind of point you'd like to make? Anything that you want to tell us about what's going on in the US that we should be aware of at this moment in time? All I would say to organizations or folks listening to this is that it is easy and it's okay to put in programs. There's nothing wrong with that. But what I encourage you to do is just ask your folks about their workload. Do they feel like their expectations are clear? Do they feel like they know the priorities? I think that is a simple thing for leaders to ask just to understand how the workload is going for them. And I think as simple as I can make it, it doesn't have to be difficult. It can just merely be a conversation to, to do a little check on your employees. Excellent. Really well said. Yeah. Jen, where, where can people go to find out more about you? They can go to redesigningwellness.com. Fantastic. And I, I'd encourage anyone listening in to go back. You've got five years where like a back catalog that you too would be proud of, of kind of back episodes of the podcast and they were incredibly informative to me when, when I was starting out and I learned so much and I still dip in and out of those episodes. So privileged to have you on the show and, and thanks so much for, for all those episodes and, and for coming on and sharing so much with us today. Yeah. Thanks for having me on Brian and good work. Thanks for all the work you're doing over there in Ireland. Thanks Jen. Hey everyone, it's Brian here again. A big thank you for listening right to the end of this episode of the WorkWell podcast. This podcast has been brought to you with thanks to our partners, AJ Products, who are leading the way in ergonomic and active workplace furniture solutions 
at ajproducts.ie. Original music that you're hearing right now was composed by my friend Greg Snifford. You can check out the website workwellpodcast.com where you can access show notes for each episode and also find all our previous episodes. I would love if you could head over to iTunes or Google Play or wherever you get your podcasts to subscribe, rate and leave a review. It's very much appreciated. A reminder, you can head to workwellinstitute.org to check out the education programs that we have on offer. You're welcome to share this episode with your friends and colleagues so they too can discover and benefit from the content. And finally, if you have any suggestions for future topics you'd like to hear in the show, you can email me directly at brian at workwellpodcast.com. Remember to work well, stay safe, and I'll see you on the next episode.